With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. James Freeman on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report once again, which puts the world's leading scientists, doctors, politicians and expert commentators right at the heart of today's news talk and our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Friday, the 2nd of February um, today, 2024. My name is James Freeman and today's show will be reviewing the news so far for 24, um, 2024 um, with independent journalist Callum smiles um we're only a month um into the year and it seems like we've got a whole year's worth of news already and there are lots of reasons to believe it's going to be a very bumpy ride this year for starters there is the uprising of farmers across europe um i was actually on the phone with francesca donato um, an italian mep yesterday afternoon from outside the european parliament and the scenes that she described to me were of farmers throwing manure at police. Um, we're going to get Francesca on the show um, soon. Unfortunately, she was traveling today, so she can't be on today. But she's going to come on and talk about um, what's going on um, over there in Brussels, what MEPs make of all of this, and also what the farmers in Italy are doing. Because, of course, this is not just something in Brussels, Germany or France. This is something going on right across Europe. And, of course, the tractors are on their way to Paris as well. Um, and as I said on yesterday's show, this is a real problem for our governments and security services because getting intelligence on what the farmers are planning and what they're up to must be really challenging. And I'm really pleased about that too as well. Um, the farming community is a very tight-knit community and a lot of the communication, I should imagine, won't be on the online platforms that us freedom fighters use, that, of course, the security services and government monitor very closely. Add to that the fact that they have huge bits of kit that can bring cities to a standstill, the fact that they're used to dealing with lots of challenging situations, that they have no qualms in dealing with the authorities. Add all of these things together, and it is clear that they pose a real problem to our governments and their globalist masters. And it isn't surprising that the farmers have had enough. Um, you know, yesterday we heard from dairy farmer Steve Evans on this show, um, who talked about how the supermarkets use restrictive contracts. Um, which ensure farmers give up all of their data about their businesses so that the supermarkets can squeeze them to the point that they just about survive. Essentially, the, these farms, which are small businesses, are being hobbled by the big corporate boys. This sounds exactly like the practices of Amazon with regard to third-party sellers on its platform that was actually investigated by the EU for its unfair business practices. Now, what these big corporations do is ensure that they have 100% power over what these small businesses are doing. Then they squeeze those businesses to the point that staying afloat becomes the only objective. This ensures essentially that there's nothing these small businesses can do. They end up powerless at the hands of greedy corporations that dish out billions to shareholders. What they are doing in reality is a form of extortion 
Um, and the politicians are doing nothing because the corporate lobby for the politicians is extremely powerful. But that isn't even the full picture, as we discussed on yesterday's show, because while the supermarkets are screwing the farmers and other producers, they're also screwing taxpayers as well. Now, you would think that the supermarkets would pay their staff a living wage, given the huge profits that they make, but they don't. And so lots of supermarket staff claim working tax credits from the government, which means taxpayers, that's you and me, are subsidising the huge dividends for shareholders for the supermarkets. They are literally screwing everybody. And it's big money. Um, I saw a report yesterday that said supermarket staff claim £1 billion a year in tax credits. So this is an absolute scandal. And while the supermarkets are screwing over the farmers, governments, um, you know, in the UK and around Europe are also cutting subsidies. Um, they're making farmers jump through bureaucratic hoops. They're essentially making it impossible for them to do business. So bring it on. The farmers have had enough and we should do everything we can to support them. The Texas border situation is also promising to be a dynamite showdown. And I also see that Trump's court cases that were due to be held in March have now been delayed. Um, we don't know when they're going to be held at the moment, but that is another um, indication that maybe Trump is going to um, actually run um, for president. And maybe he will be the next president. Who knows? Um, so fireworks it is then for American politics this year as we approach the presidential elections. And really important story this, later this month, we will also witness the next stage in the fight for justice for Julian Assange. Last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February the 20th and the 21st at the UK High Court to determine whether Assange will have permission to appeal or whether he will be extradited to the United States. And we will be there to cover the story. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering events as they unfold. The Assange case is an incredibly important case for journalism and free speech more widely because He's essentially being persecuted for revealing war crimes, for uncovering our government's dirty little secrets, which is, by the way, the thing that journalists are supposed to do. Um, journalists are supposed to hold power to account. That is the whole point of journalism in a democracy. Um, it is there to provide a balance um, to power to ensure that the powerful are kept in check. That doesn't really work, does it? if you're only allowed to re reveal the things that they give you permission to reveal, which is why the Assange case is at the heart of the question, do we live in a free democracy anymore? My view is that if he is ex extradited and sentenced for the crime of telling the truth about illegal things that our governments were doing, then the answer is a square no. It would be an official declaration that free speech in the West is dead. And of course, we also have the war in the Middle East, which is ongoing and uncontrolled migration pretty much everywhere across the planet. What a crazy time to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. Historians will be writing about this period in history for the rest of the century if we make it through. 
although with the doomsday clock um, at 90 seconds to midnight, there is a real danger that we won't make it through. Now, I have faith that humanity will find a way through, although it is definitely going to be a bumpy ride this year. So hold on tight, folks. If you want to get in touch about any of the topics I've spoken about today or to suggest a guest or anything else, if you just want to say hello, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. At TNT, we never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7 online globally, no matter what. So we've got you covered on today's news talk, TNT. My name is James Freeman, and this is The Freeman Report for today's news talk. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day, and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's news talk radio, TNT. Right, I was just about to say hello, Gemma, but um, Gemma seems to have um, put on a pair of glasses and changed her sex. <laughs> of course, I'm jesting. Um, hello, Basil, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, James. Good to be with you, and hello to our viewers and listeners all around the world. Yes, of course, yes, we are a global station. Um, Basil, what story, what breaking story have you got for us today? Well, uh, your tour de force... Uh, introduction about the state of the world they missed out arguably the biggest challenge we <laughs> face to make it into the second half of this century or even the second half of this decade and that is avoiding world war three uh, because although there is a lull at the moment uh, joe biden is planning retaliation for the drone strike that killed three u.s soldiers in Jordan, or was it Syria, on Sunday. Um, they were the first members of the US military to be killed by enemy air power since 1953. Uh, wow. So, you know, over 70 years. And uh, it was an attack that really stung. Of course, the hawks in Washington are calling for bombing iran itself but that could set off world war three uh at least cause a huge uh, conflagration uh and thousands of deaths which we want to avoid at all costs so instead it seems like uh, biden is going to uh, satisfy himself by hitting an organization called ketab hezbollah kh Ketaib Hezbollah. Now, these are actually, these battalions are actually part of the official Iraqi security apparatus. Uh, but it was they who launched the drone attack. They, they admit they did. There's no doubt about uh, who did it uh, on the US base that resulted in the deaths of the three servicemen. Uh, so they are expecting retaliation by the Americans. Well, it could come at any time. Apparently, uh, Keteb Hezbollah did not expect their drone to get past the United States defences. So it came to them as something of a surprise that the mission was successful. Now they find themselves in the US crosshairs and it remains to be seen, well, the extent of the United States retaliation and if whether that leads to further 
escalation or not. But it's a dangerous situation. Yeah, it certainly is. And, um, you know, the Middle East itself is just, a, um, as you'll know, um, Basel, it's like a tinderbox at the moment, isn't it? And um, one of the countries that we very rarely talk about in that context is Russia as well, because, of course, Russia is allied with many countries um, in, in the Middle East there. And, of course, we've got the BRICS nations um, as well, which Iran are part of now. Um, Russia is obviously in China. Um, so it really is a quite a precarious situation. Now, um, that's really an interesting fact there, Basil, the fact that it's 70 years since um, any American troops have been killed by foreign firepower. Um, and it is it does highlight the ch challenges for America now, doesn't it? Because, you know, whereas in the past um, it was all about, you know, million dollar bombs, intelligent bombs that could be guided, whereas actually now we have drone technology it's totally changed the face of these skirmishes, hasn't it? Yes, I mean, the drones are very cheap and very effective. Um, these were the first uh, US military to be killed by air power. That's the, the key point. Lots of US military have been killed in Iraq, of course, thousands. Um, but uh, the first time anybody's been killed by anything airborne, because, uh, of course, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan, Taliban and Saddam Hussein didn't have any aircraft worth speaking of. It's worth pointing out that Iran perceives the attack by its proxy, Kitayib Hezbollah, as simply tit for tat retaliation for the uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps operators who were killed by Israel in a drone, drone strike in Damascus a week ago. So, you know, these tit for tat killings. They have to stop at some point, you know, an eye for an eye and the whole world is blind. We all know that. Uh, in terms of the global geopolitics you mentioned, uh, yes, Russia is close to Iran. Uh, Iran is now in BRICS. Russia and China are very close. Um, on the other hand, the NATO powers are close to Israel uh, and likewise Saudi Arabia. Uh, the Chinese managed to broker a peace deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. And of all the players on the world stage, it seems the Chinese, for all their posturing, let's say, in the South China Sea and their in dispute with the Philippines over some uh, disputed uh, shoals, uh, likewise uh, Taiwan, of course, is a major issue. But generally, the Chinese want a world of peace and prosperity. Uh, it seems the US want a world that they can dominate. And when that domination is challenged, they don't like it very much. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it, when you look at the, the, the contrast between America's approach and China's approach, because, look, we're not kind of saying that China's the good guy, right? Because, you know, we know their human rights records are absolutely atrocious, the way they treat their own citizens, yes. the Uyghurs, et cetera, et cetera. But on a, a geopolitical stage, China has been, over the past couple of decades, has been building bridges, building ports around the world, building infrastructure, whilst America is yes. going around the world, bombing those bridges and those ports um, and the infrastructure around the world. So it's a very, very different approach, isn't it, to, um, to, to their geopolitics? Yes, exactly. A very different approach to where they spend their money as well. 
I mean, the Chinese have built thousands and thousands of miles of state-of-the-art high-tech railway crisscrossing the country. I mean, it rivals what we achieved in Britain in the Victorian era with the first installation of railways or the, or the railways the British put into India, which uh, are still used to this day, you know, getting on for 200 years old now, some of them. The Chinese, in the space of 20 years, have built an entire high-speed rail network across the country. And now, of course, they want to extend it outside the country uh, with the whole Belt and Road Initiative and everything. Uh, the Americans can't build a railway even between San Francisco and Los Angeles. They've been talking about it for about 50 years. There is no high-speed rail anywhere in the United States. Its own infrastructure is crumbling. And uh, I mean, every day you see these dreadful scenes of these poor fentanyl zombies on the streets of yeah. San Francisco, I, I saw yesterday, people with their trousers around their ankles, seemingly not knowing where they are. Um, I remember, James, I'm sure you do, when San Francisco was touted as this hippie wonderland, you know, if you're going to San Francisco. And we all wanted to go there, didn't we, James, from uh, grey skies of England, you know, California dreaming. Well, the California dream is over because the United States spends all its money on uh, weapons, basically, yeah. and maintaining these hundreds of military bases all around the world, you know, and then wondering yeah. why some of the people who live in that area resent them being there and uh, and attack them, uh, uh, you know, I mean. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a very dangerous time because, you know, uh, although there are a lot of people who say, well, look, America has um, done this to itself um, via its strategy across the last few decades. But, you know, that might be the case. Um, but an unstable America, um, and particularly with the de-dollarization um, globally that's happening at the moment, is only going to get worse. Um, it does make the world much more dangerous, the fact that America is um, unstable, I think, as a country internally. Um, and, of course, you know, I think the only... One of the only options for America, for American politicians and hawks, that is, is probably war, actually, you know, because um, it's either well, that or collapse this... or both. Yeah, I mean, you know, Biden, to some extent, perhaps it's an advantage that he's senile because uh, it means, you know, he's less capable of making rash decisions. But, you know, but there is this sort of terrible rhetoric in American politics that, I mean, in world politics almost these days, that diplomacy is a sign of weakness, that you have to endlessly be strong and teach everybody a lesson. And that only ever leads to war. So, you know, we, yeah. we have to get back around the negotiating table. Otherwise, we're in deep trouble, James. We certainly do. And Basil, thank you for your insight. Um, really good as ever. We'll have to get you, you were obviously on um, as a guest the other day on the Freeman Report. We'll have to get you back on to talk more in depth, I think, about what, some of these conflicts that are happening. But Basil Valentine, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much, Basil. Have a great weekend. Thank you, James. You too. Right, to the rest of you. So some of the things that I was talking about in the introduction, we're going to be talking them all about all of them today, including immigration, now that we've had this attack in Clapham um, in the last few days here in the UK, where a, 
um, um, a um, an immigrant who should have really not been in the country has thrown acid um, over some people. This follows, of course, the, the stabbings in Ireland and the riots in um, Liverpool um, last year and lots of other um, things like this across Europe in Sweden. We're seeing countless bombings um, across the country from a lot of these immigrants because it's just happened. The immigration has happened too quickly and too much. So we're going to be talking about a lot today. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT. TNT's Jeremy Nell. Nice comment here from Rebecca. She says the youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled. And she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so antisocial also. The business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they could they be given permission not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs. I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois. And this dog, this Malinois, is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles. Is lying under my desk at the moment feeling sorry for herself because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right minds goes to their boss and says, would you mind? I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's okay because I've got other priorities in a, in a town down the road. Jeremy now on today's News Talk. TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Right, well, I'm delighted to be welcoming back um, Callum smiles to the Freeman Report. Of course, Callum has done quite a bit of work with um, TNT recently. Um, Callum, you were reporting from um, Davos as well, weren't you recently? Yeah, and I think I'm uh, I'm definitely on the uh, on my way to getting invited to the Christmas party at this rate. I'm uh, I'm here more than you. <laughs> Christmas party? I didn't even realise there was one. Where was my invite to that? <laughs> right. Okay, Callum. Um, now, obviously, you've been on the Freeman Report, but we we dive straight into the detail. Um, so I think it's probably worth just spending a few minutes just kind of introducing yourself. Um, I'm really interested to know um, how you became a journalist like me. Um, you know, I it's not like I sort of grew up with aspirations to become a journalist. I was forced in, well, not forced into it, but I chose it because I think getting the truth out is so important. So I wonder if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about your background and, and how you ended up doing what you're doing. Yeah, so I, I trained to be an actor and I was working a bit as an actor uh, doing theatre tours across England. Um, and, you know, when all the COVID nonsense was around and uh, the the major casting directors were saying, you know, if if you don't want to get jabbed, 
don't even bother applying. We won't audition you. So as soon as the big ones did it, the smaller ones did it. Um, <clears throat> and I used to watch a lot of Steven Crowder and I la- I loved his change my mind. So I started doing a thing called Convince Me Otherwise. And uh, the first one I did was in Salisbury City Centre. It was COVID vaccines aren't the answer. Convince me otherwise. And I, I'd go and um, sit there with my, with my A-frame with that. And I'd take the reading material where I'd like got my information from. So anyone who was interested could could have a look at the stuff I'd seen. And, you know, a, a guy who used to hire me a lot for theatre work, he, he saw that and he's like, it's people like you that are killing people. And I thought, uh, right, so the acting career is done. <laughs> and uh, I seem to be making making some waves doing this. And, you know, just one thing led to another. And next thing, Rebel News, see what I was doing. I went, do you want a job? So, and here I am, a journalist. Never saw this one coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a really, um, I mean, look, you know, a lot of the newsreaders on the mainstream news, they're pretty much actors, right? But you've actually gone from acting into delivering real news um god the irony of that um callum what was um you you must have had one of those moments um over the past four years like lots of us where you actually come around to the realization that our government is not got our best in i mean look i've always had a healthy distrust of authority and the government but i never actually thought that the government was actually out to get us um what has that transition been like for you? I know for me, it's been quite traumatic. It is very, very unsettling, particularly because, you know, I've got a young family, um, that realisation that, shit, you know, there's all these other things you've got to worry about in the world, but now you've got to worry about the government. What what was that like for you? Yeah, well, so I've always, I've always think, I've always, I've always been a bit of semi-awake. You know, I, I've always, uh, well, my, my politics have always been, you know, more of the conservative side and, you know, I'd see the things they propose. I'm like, yeah, that's brilliant. But then, um, you know, the, what they say and what they do is com- two completely different things. I mean, this will be the last year I vote before I take my name off the voting register, purely because for my very last one, I want to go down there. I want to draw a new box. I want to write WEF next to it, cross that. So for my last vote, I back <laughs> the winning horse. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it is, that's, if if voting worked, I genuinely don't think we'd be allowed to do it. And you know, you, you see, you see every every government these days. Klaus has even said himself, you know, we've infiltrated every government. And you look at all the major politicians in all the major parties; they're all WEF members. So, like, yeah, I've I, I at the start of all this, you know, I used to believe in vaccines. I I always said I'm not going to have this COVID one because they're talking about it's far too soon and also I don't need it. You know, I was going abroad at the start of all the lockdowns because like uh, they are massively blowing this out of proportion. But that's what I believed it was. I thought it was blown out of proportion. It wasn't until you know doing further research you go, oh my god, they are in on it. The one percent, mm. which includes these major politicians, are in on it, and they're taking us for a ride. How how is everyone else not seeing this, or rather, how is just a few more people not seeing this? So it's at that point I kind of realised, ah, right, yeah, politics doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit more optimistic than you on the um, on voting. I mean, I do I do accept that you're saying optimism. the whole system is broken, but Brexit is a great example. And look, let's not talk about whether Brexit's been delivered. That's a whole other question, but. 
Um, they didn't want us to vote for breakfast, a uh, uh, breakfast for Brexit, and they didn't expect it either. Um, and we did it, you know. So, so, um, and and the other thing is, Callum, I think you know, we don't have any other process of democracy of um there isn't any other alternative it's not like we can say well we're not going to do that we're going to do this so i'm a little bit more optimistic i don't think you should take your name off the voter list but i love your idea of drawing an extra box um with the wef on it that's fantastic right callum we're going to take a short break now for the news headlines don't go anywhere because after this break we're going to kick off the conversation today talking about immigration and some of these attacks um, by some of these immigrants that should not be in the country in the first place after having convictions um, you know, um, I think this the latest Clapham um, immigrant um, actually was convicted of sexual um, offences back in 2018. Shouldn't even be in the country. So stay tuned for all of that after this short break on TNT. Great news. Good news, everyone. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has fronted the media for the first time since his secret hospitalization. I apologize to my teammates and to the American people. More mass graves containing victims of genocide have been unearthed in Africa, and it's been revealed the U.S. has built up a supply of military equipment in Australia as it prepares for a potential war with China over Taiwan. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Right. So, Callum, let's start talking about immigration. There's lots to talk about here. Obviously, we've got the small boats coming across the English Channel. But that actually represents quite a small fraction of the overall immigration to the UK. It's roughly around 50,000, give or take, um, depending on which year and what the weather conditions have been like, versus, um, you know, the latest figures um, for, you know, um, we saw in the summer um, for the last 12 months, three quarters of a million coming in via legal routes. Um, so we've got a problem, haven't we? Because, you know, there's only so much immigration a country can deal with. And we're already seeing some of the um, the problems associated with that, with housing, infrastructure and all the rest of it. But we've also got these attacks. Tell us um, what's happened in the last few days with this um, situation in Clapham, Callum. Well, unfortunately, the situation in Clapham, in my in my professional experience, is it's not a new one. I, I, I was almost emotionless in how I was completely not shocked by this, because this uh, this man who had done this acid attack in Clapham, he's been not not just accused, he's been convicted of of sexual assault, and on the third attempt, he's been granted asylum in the UK. So we have a government that is granting asylum to people who don't just pose a risk to our women and young girls but are a risk it's it's not a, it's not a case of is he isn't he this person has raped someone before i i interviewed um, a woman in in ireland uh i won't, I won't name her name because she, she might not want that but she she was knocked out in a taxi not not even with drugs it was a violent you know attack that knocked her out by a man who was pretending to be a taxi driver who was previously wanted in ireland for the attempted sexual assault of a uh, canadian or american student i think it was canadian and previously convicted in austria for sexual assault 
and he finds his way back in Ireland. So clearly, you know, either the person at passport control is asleep or the Irish government do not care. And with a fake taxi, and not the kind that people have seen on a certain website on the internet, a genuine taxi that wasn't a taxi, knocked this girl out and raped her. And uh, unfortunately, this, you know, like this man here, we are actively now letting in people who who are threats to women. Yeah, it is. Weird. And and I think, you know, I've, I've always been quite moderate on immigration. Um, you know, back in the UKIP days, I, I, I never followed UKIP. In fact, I wasn't that interested in politics there. But even when I was part of the Brexit party, immigration was always very much a policy issue for me. And, um, and I was all, I've also had, always had the view that immigration it can be a positive thing as well but you know i think i've slowly come to the realization over the last sort of especially the last three years that what is happening is 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 it's is, is basically designed to go wrong because we're inviting too many people in too quickly um and a lot of them, we we don't know what their backgrounds are, um, you know, whether they're coming across the English Channel. And it is a real problem, isn't it? And the, the, the other thing, Callum, that's really interesting about this is while all of this is going on, you know, we've got the Digital Services Act in Europe, which has just come in. We've got the online safety bill in the UK. Now, looking at the DSA in Europe, one of the things that they're monitoring, which they're calling hate speech, is communities like in Ireland that are kicking off and saying, no, we're not having this. Um, this is actually now a threat to our communities. And the EU is actually calling this um, hate speech and they're trying to censor it. Yeah, it's uh, this is one of the things that I, I still can't, can't quite understand with the general populace, like as to, is this is this not enough for you to go, oh my God, this isn't right, you know, and at least grab a pitch we are we have governments that are criminalizing talking about race than doing rapes you know like you just you mentioned then you know people who we don't know come into this country that, that that's where it started and now it's we're allowing people who we do know who are threats to women into this country and the sad thing is i i think i think a lot of people i think we've been dumbed down honestly and you know with, with the food we eat the water, the things that we find in the water we drink. You know, apparently the average on average, the average person eats a credit card's worth of plastic a year. You know, these things they, they have an effect on our on our body and, and our mind. We aren't as sharp as we used to be, and we now have people who are completely unaware. I did we did a, a report for Rebel News, where we and still we're still the only journalists to have done this from inside one of the migrant hotels pretending to be an electrician. And it was that video was downloaded, not even just a snippet of it. The full video was downloaded, and people were uploading it on their own TikToks. And I had friends who knew I'd worked in media but didn't quite know what I was doing, and they were messaging me, going, "I've just seen you on TikTok. Oh my god, is this happening?" It's like, yeah, it's happening everywhere, and we can't see it. Yeah. It's um I, I would disagree. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily think it's people eating plastic and things, although you, I think there you you've got a point there in the sense that, you know, um with all the, the crap, the edible substances that people are eating instead of actual healthy foods and everything. I think that, you know, because it, I think it's a bit like the the rabbit in, in headlight syndrome at the moment, in the sense that after the last few years, I think people are just so bewildered 
by what has happened they you know people still haven't most people um uh you know i think obviously those of us that are awake have kind of made sense of the world but i think there's an awful lot of people who still haven't processed what just happened never mind all of the stuff going on um around the world at the moment it is just bewildering and so i think that you know whereas in in previous years the public would have been outraged about things i think they just do not know what to make of things these days right callum we're going to take another quick break um and when we come back let's talk about those plucky farmers um across europe um there's tractors on the way to paris at the moment we saw scenes yesterday of farmers throwing manure um outside the eu parliament it made me smile so much i'll tell you what because I'm really excited about all of this, not necessarily throwing manure, but the fact that the farmers now seem to have woken up and they are fighting um, the cause with us because, look, you know, there's all there's one thing having hundreds of thousands of people on foot in cities protesting. But there's, it's a whole other ball game when you've got angry farmers with big tractors and big bits of kit. They've even turned parts of the motorway, I think, in France into fields. Um, so I'm genuinely excited about this because I think, you know, this does hold the prospect of us actually defeating these globalists. So don't go anywhere, Callum. Um, we're going to chat about all of that um, after this short break here on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I really don't understand how this trial between Michael Mann and Mark Stein is continuing. And I don't know if Dr. Mann wanted to put his hockey stick on trial. There are so many holes in his argument. It is hard to believe. I don't even understand how people could have let that out without questioning it. And I've talked about this before. One of the biggest problems I have is he won't let anyone look at his data, at least no one that is skeptical of his data. And that should raise red flags. Now I've talked about this many, many times. You can go and look at what the global temperature does. When it's warm in the eastern and central part of the United States and warm across Europe, usually the global temperature is elevated. Now, when it's cold in those areas, believe it or not, the global temperature is actually colder. The problem with this whole hockey stick and the recreation of temperatures from pine cones is the areas he looks at and draws his ideas from are usually cold when the earth is warm. So he would not be able to detect that. He would not know that because he's not a meteorologist. If he was a meteorologist, would he know it? Of course he'd know it because we talk about this all the time. They're called teleconnections. So if I were in there talking about this, I'd be asking, where is your meteorology background and are you aware of this going on? But in any case, this whole hockey stick idea of temperature recreation looks to be more of a hokey stick to a lot of us out there. And the first red flag is you wouldn't let anyone look at your data. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. One in four Australian women experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Staying is dangerous, but leaving can mean homelessness for them and their children. With your generosity, the Salvos can provide crisis services and ongoing support, helping women find a way out of violence and a way back into a safe and stable life. Help us leave no one in need. Please donate to the Red Shield Appeal today. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
certainly is the Freeman Report, and I am James Freeman. Um, Callum, um, you're probably familiar, but we have a, a live chat that goes along with the show. Um, lots of people logged in today. Um, I'm just going to read one out because I think it's um, related to the conversation we're having before the break. So it's actually a comment by Elena who says the problem with normies is that they don't know what is going on and they don't even listen to mainstream news to see the dots don't connect. That's why our biggest challenge is to get the truth to them in any form or shape. Uh, shape. Um, we need to be creative with them. And that obviously is the, the whole mission statement for TNT is to get that that news out to those um, normies, um, as uh, Elena puts it. So thank you for that comment, Elena. Right. Okay. Callum, farmers. Um, I've had three um, farmers on the show this week. Um, Gareth Wynne-Jones. I had um, James Peck on earlier this week and also Steve um, Evans yesterday. Um, I'm not surprised that they are at the end of their tether listening to their stories about how they're treated, about how you know government is making it impossible for them to do business while the supermarkets and the corporations are squeezing them um it's it's making it impossible to do their jobs and the same of course is going on all across europe and it does bring a smile to my face it really really does um i think you know they're a formidable bunch um for our governments to deal with because Unlike us freedom fighters that talk about what we're going to do, we organize, we put all our ideas on these online platforms, which, you know, the security services are, are monitoring that. We know that and governments, whereas the farmers don't do that. And so the government struggle to find out what they're up to and what they're planning. And hey, presto, um, they're literally bringing Europe to a standstill. What do you what, what's your take on this? What do you make of all of this? You know, if you went if you went back to the start of the COVID nonsense, who who had it on their bingo card that the people that <laughs> might save us are are old men in tractors? <laughs> it's brilliant, and like yeah, as you said yourself, you know, it's it's a hard thing to kind of to kind of monitor compared to normal everyday stuff because yeah, farmers are in that sort of tight-knit community and you know they could spot they could spot city folk from a mile off so if they even tried to send like a spy down there they'd be like nah your beard's not thick enough or something or, or they'd make, them, make them have 10 litres of scrumpy there and then to see if they pass the test <laughs> but it's i do yeah i love i love the the idea of just things like covering a motorway in mud like it, it's it's almost the perfect amount of petty and childishness to really get back at the government it's it's fantastic and yeah as i said who who had this on their bingo card the farmers coming to save us at the end of the day you know as the saying's going right, right now no farmers no food we need farmers we don't need politicians yeah exactly i mean the other thing with farmers as well because you know the 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 way the government sort of dismantled all of our cries to everyone else trying to warn them um over the past four years was we were anti-vaxxers you know tinfoil hat wearers and they 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 created all of these different narratives about you know we're all crazy and all of that and it worked you know the the normies um they didn't know any better you know they believed a lot of them believed the stories they're being told it's very, very, it's much more challenging for the government, I think, to paint um, any kind of narrative on farmers, because I think the general public 
the, the the wider general public actually understand how important farmers are and if you start calling farmers names i don't think that's going to go down very well to, um, with the public so i think the only thing the that um you know the government and the apparatus of the, the the globalists so the media and whatnot can do to defend against this is actually just to try and cover it up and not and not not tell the story of what's going on and we're seeing that now because in the times um, I was looking at this morning. They do report on it because they've got to now. It's so big, but the story is like you know six down um, on on the feed on the Times app, um, and you know it's all kind of oh nothing to see here. Um, they're just kind of reporting and running through the you know going through the 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 mills um, um, in terms of how they're reporting it. They're not really telling what is at the crux of the story and how big a story it is. Um, really, really interesting there. Callum, let's also talk about another really, really um, big story at the moment, which is at the Texas border, um, where I think, you know, DeSantis has sent a thousand or is sending a thousand troops to Texas to help them put the border um, infrastructure up when obviously the Supreme Court at the behest of the Biden administration has ordered them to take it down. This um, and of course, civil war has been trending in the states online over the past week. Do you really think we might see civil war there? Well, quick point on the farmer thing. I think we should get the the slogan, uh, the saying farmist trending. And every time that the media says something bad about <laughs> farmers, we call it, stop being farmist. You're being farmist. And try get, a bit like how they use the term <laughs> racist for everything. Um, well, has, has DeSantis not got the uh, the slogan? It's not, it's not soldiers he needs. It's farmers. <laughs> <laughs> he needs farmers <laughs> on the border. Um, do you know what? It's interesting you say that because you know I'm I'm a firm believer that the previous American election was rigged. I mean, you you only have to spend half an hour looking to find enough stuff where you go right. If it's rigged or not, there is enough here that requires serious investigation. Because take the State Farm Arena in Georgia, for example, where everyone left except for the vote counters and they start pulling out suit pre, uh, suitcases from under a table that enough requires investigation or even and um, the state of pennsylvania took this down off their state website it was a uh, so you could see uh pe people's details on the voter voter registration and it says if your vote has been sent in and counted or whatnot and there was all these people who were born on the 1st of january 1900 that had their votes counted in 2020. Now, you get the odd person over 100, but when you've got all these people aged 120 still voting in Pennsylvania, that that needs looking into. I think I might take a screenshot on my old laptop. I'll try to find it for you if I have. But uh, yeah, so back to my main point. I think I, I got a feeling that they won't allow him to win again this time. And I think we could see states secede. I, I think mm. the federal United States could very quickly break up and all it takes is one state. When one state will secedes, I think we will see many more follow. And do you know what? I actually think it'd be a very quick civil war if there was one. I think it would um I think it would be over in it could even be a matter of hours because let's face it, a lot of the people that back up the Biden administration, they're more focused on their hair color and you know chopping bits off and try to change their gender so i can't imagine they do much in a scrap 
but yeah, I I think I think we could see some. I think yeah, the United States as we know it might very quickly change. Yeah, and I I'm I'm recalling as you're saying that um, an interview that I did um, a couple of years back with um, Del Bigtree from 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 the High Wire in in the US. Um, he was at the Better Way conference. I think that was two conferences back. Um, but um, after the interview, I left the cameras rolling, um, and so we were just having chit chat. And he was saying, "I've got it all on um, um, audio. I published it because um, you know, obviously, he knew he was he was still on camera. Um, but he was saying, you know, he just moved to Texas. Joe Joe Rogan had moved out there, and he was saying Texas is a really interesting place at the moment because he said suddenly you've got all these kind of almost like freedom superheroes, all like." moving to texas and suddenly they're all in one room and like it's just like what what are you doing here who told you to come here (laughs) we're all and he was saying as part of that conversation that um yeah exactly um something's (laughs) going to go down right um why are we all here um as part of that conversation though he was saying that texas is a really interesting state in the sense that over the years it's made sure that its infrastructure is independent enough from the united states that it could secede because you know if you want to secede from the United States of America, it's not just a case of saying, right, we're leaving, that's it. You know, as we found out with our dealings with with Europe, when things are all intertwined, you know, we're talking about electricity grids, we're talking about gas, we're talking about all the infrastructure of the country. Um, It's not that easy. But what Texas has done is made sure that all of those things, um, that it, it, you know, it has sovereignty over them. So, for example, it's electricity production and whatnot. Um, so there is a real question here with Texas in particular, I think. Um, and actually, I was scouring the news this morning, and there are now whisperings that could this be um, the event which which kicks off a much, much more serious conversation about Texas leaving um, the United States. Um, let's stay on um, America, um, Callum, because um, this is a slightly comical but serious rumours now coming out of um, the U.S., of whether Michelle Obama might actually run um, for the Democrats. Because, you know, I've been saying for a long time now, it doesn't look, I cannot see how Biden can run in the race later this year. It just, it, it just is an impossibility. And when you look at all the candidates which could, um, you know, replace Biden, I think Michelle Obama would pose a real problem to Trump if she was put forward. And the Democrats have now changed their voting um rules so that they could actually do that um what do you make of all of this well you know, the democrats still can't put a woman leader in charge can they <laughs> we've all yeah. heard the about michelle um i i don't think it would be a threat though i i think i think enough has happened in the past you know this this presidency where i think so many people have realized that you know the Democrats are, they're not good. You know, socialist policies, they, um, they, they use people's good nature against them. So all their policies are, you know, nice on paper. Oh, we'll give this person this, give these people that, you know, it'll be really nice, but that next thing it doesn't work and then people want more and everything fails. It uses people's good nature against them. I've seen enough videos of people who you'd think, who, you know, you, you'd think are, on the surface of things, leftist and a bit woke, but they talk about how like there was one particular video where this woman, she typical typical Democrat voter, and she's like, 
everything they said Trump was going to do that was bad has happened in like the first year and a half of Biden. And I think yeah. a lot of people are now seeing that. And, you know, I think we are seeing the rise of Christian values again and conservative values. Doesn't mean you have to vote for a conservative party. You know, take here, for example, I wouldn't vote for the conservatives, but I have conservative values. I think we are seeing the rise in that again and people starting to look into more community and and building things as together and rather than being isolationist i think people are actually starting to form these communities and and those that aren't i think the ones are going to suffer but yeah so i i don't think michelle obama would be a problem i think it doesn't matter who who they put in i i they could put the most popular person in america and i still think on paper trump will win but as i said earlier i think you know they they have the means to rig it so i could see them doing that again and and then we have a free texas <laughs> it's an interesting observation there you make because actually there's parallels with um the uk in terms of um everything they they you know threatened that trump would do if he got in biden has actually done because the same thing happened here in the uk of course because jeremy corbyn was talking about borrowing you know, billions and billions of pounds to spend on infrastructure and all that horrible stuff that we don't need, right? Um, and then the Tories come in and they think, well, that was a good idea. Borrowing all the money is a good idea, but we're not going to spend it on the infrastructure. We're just going to give it to our friends and our donors. Um, but financially, economically, we've ended up in the same sort of situation as um, Jeremy Corbyn with the Conservatives. Absolutely um, crazy. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens um, later this year. Um, let's move on to UK politics. Um, let's bring it back home. What It's an absolute mess, isn't it, the UK government at the moment? I mean, um, it's difficult to see anything that they're actually doing right. Well, you, you, all you have to do is look at the recent Andrew Bridging stuff in Parliament and they're, they're scoffing at him and they're... And they're, they're openly taking the piss in Parliament. I mean, these are people, at the end of the day, like they're meant to be adults. They're meant to be like some of the most mature people in the country. Or surely they wouldn't be in this role. Well, it turns out they are. But, they, you know, they're openly mocking Andrew Bridging for raising... It's not just his opinion now. Like, it's... He's using the government's own data, saying, look, this amount of people since this date have been dying prematurely. And these people are completely out of touch with with modern society. I'm hearing people now that like who go back a few years would openly attack my views, maybe even want to try and attack me for my anti-vax stance. But now you have people going, "Oh yeah, like have, have you heard about this, 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 and have you seen this? Like such and such isn't well." And they're now starting to to put two and two together. Yet you have a couple hundred people who are they're meant to basically echo the thoughts of the country, but on a smaller scale. And yet they 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 couldn't be further from it. 
Yeah, and I think you know the the parallels with America are the the problem that we have is we have a broken um, voting system for different reasons. In America, it's just being rigged, but over here, it's polarized. So people don't vote for the party they want; they vote to keep out the party they definitely don't want to get in. But it's all broken nonetheless. So I think twenty twenty four Callum is going to be a very bumpy year. So hold on tight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Sadly, Callum, we have run out of time. Callum smiles, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Callum. I know you're off skiing tomorrow, so I hope you enjoy that. To the rest of you, um, we've got more packed shows for you this afternoon, so don't go anywhere. Stick with us right here on TNT. TNT.